Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Surviving My Podcast. A survivor podcast about living with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. Join me as we heal together, raise awareness, and inspire everyone to survive, thrive, and conquer their past. everyone this is surviving my podcast my name is matt your host right back here for another awesome edition of the show thank you so much for joining me i'm always stoked to have you here as we rock our survivor journey together if you are a first-time listener i'm glad that you found the podcast and i hope that you'll find it validating encouraging and maybe a little fun too be sure and check out some of the other podcasts and head over to survivingmypast.net for blog posts, videos, and much more, all in support of those who have survived the trauma of abuse. If you are a returning listener, you guys rock. You're amazing. Thank you so much for the support and encouragement and helping to spread the message of hope that we promote here. Today, I'm excited to introduce my guest to you, Annalise Shepard. Annalise and I first connected through Goodreads, actually. I was searching through some books to add to my reading list and came across her book, Mending the Shattered Mirror, A Journey of Recovery from Abuse and Therapy. I added her book to my list, and not long after that, she contacted me, and we began chatting a bit about our experiences and our similar interests. I thought it would be amazing to bring her on the show to talk about her book and the experiences that led to her book and also her life living with dissociative identity disorder. So it's going to be an amazing podcast full of great information and validation and encouragement. So I'm glad you're here today, and let's jump right into it. Annalie, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm honored to talk with you. How are you? I'm great, Matt. Thank you. And thank you also for including me in this very important discussion. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. And it is indeed my honor. And I'm sure that we're all going to uh, just learn so much. And um, I'm excited I'm excited to talk to you and share, you know, as I said, more about your book and where people can find it. But let's kind of start out a little bit. Um, as you and I were talking before the show, you do live with dissociative identity disorder. And I've talked to other guests on the show here. I've written about it and done blog posts and I think it's always such an important topic to discuss and get out in the open um, to help educate those who aren't very familiar with it, but also to help encourage and validate those who do live with DID or perhaps are a supporting family member or friend. So I will give the mic over to you for you to share um, as much as what's on your heart about your experiences with uh, dissociative identity disorder. Well, thanks. Um, Yes, it is something I have lived with my whole life, although it was only diagnosed about 10 years ago. And in fact, it got much worse as a result of the trauma of abuse within therapy. Um, I have seven alters, and they have names, they have ages, and they have personalities. But ultimately, they are all just a part of me. And even though I was very rejecting of the diagnoses when I first got it, I have come to a point in my life where I embrace these different parts of myself. And in fact, I even envy or I, I think people should envy me the experience because I feel like I know myself in a way that most people never have a chance of knowing themselves because I can stand back sometimes and look at parts of myself um, as separate from me and try to understand what has caused 
me to respond in this way to life. I tell people within my life that I, most of my friends know, my family all knows, and I tell them this is my internal structure and the way that I process my world. But as far as you, my friends, or my coworkers, or my family are concerned, it's all just me. And it shouldn't cause people fear or distrust or um, to be uncomfortable even because we all have different parts of us. For me, they just are very separate. So I, it is a, part, a big part of my book, um, and I talk about it in my book and explain it, I hope, in a way that people can understand. That's an amazing way to put it. Um, I've never heard somebody mention that that they would actually feel that others should be envious of them because of how in depth you know yourself. I love that analogy. I think it's amazing and it's it has to be so validating and encouraging to everyone listening now um, who has experience with DID to really be able to put it in that type of perspective and to really be able to understand and know yourself on such an intimate personal level in ways that most people can never experience. That's just an that's a phenomenal way. And I've never heard that analogy before. I really, really like it. Well, thank you. Thank you for that feedback. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you were diagnosed 10 years ago. And of course, you know that it got much worse after the trauma of the abuse and therapy, which we'll get to here shortly. But before that, I'm curious, did you ever think that perhaps, you know, before the official diagnosis that there was something going on, something wasn't, or, you know, something was maybe different things that you didn't understand that led to you seeking out this diagnosis? Like, I guess maybe talk a little bit about your experience before the diagnosis and what your life was like in terms, you know, before you really had something to call this. Well, I'm amused that you asked me this because I'm going to share with you something that I haven't shared with very many people. And here I'm sharing it with how many know, who knows how many. I used to secretly believe that possibly I had been abducted by aliens. And I know that sounds crazy. And I never would have told anybody that because even I thought it was crazy, but I was searching for a way to explain my experience in life. It wasn't that I lose time. <clears throat> it was more that there was a feeling of things happening or states of being where I wasn't completely present. So I was aware of it. Um, but the only explanation I could come up with is that somewhere in my past, I've been abducted by aliens even though I knew it couldn't be true. But when I did get the diagnosis, all of a sudden, it was it fit. Everything in my life fit. I thought, aha, that's what it is, which is actually much better than being abducted by aliens, I have to admit. I would say that my husband, whom I have been married to for 38 years, when he found out the diagnosis, he also said, oh my goodness, that fits. And neither one of us were, were like, oh, that's a terrible thing, or I, I didn't accept the diagnosis at first, but it was more that I just couldn't believe it. But as I looked back over my life, I realized many things that had happened that now made sense. So yes, um, I was aware of something. I remember in college, a friend saying to me, sometimes, Annalie, you are just like a different person. You, you speak differently, you dress differently, and I didn't know what they meant. And then all these years later, I thought, ah, that makes sense now. And many, many instances like that throughout my life. Wow, that's incredible. Um, and first off, congratulations on the 38 years of marriage to your husband. That is amazing. And that, and that is encouraging for uh, so many. So congrats to you and your husband. That's awesome. Thank you. 
Thank you're you. Very, yeah, you are most welcome. And, you know, it's interesting. I've talked to others um, who live with um, dissociative identity disorder, and they've mentioned similar things where uh, before they had an official diagnosis of what they were feeling, they felt similar to you where, you know, friends or family members would bring up similar thoughts, you know, that you had mentioned, and they weren't really sure how to put it all together. But once they were able to talk to somebody and understand what it was, it was a bit of a relief to be able to understand, okay, this is what it is. This is why I feel this way. This is why so many things have happened the way they have in their life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was the beginning of a journey of learning to accept myself and to embrace who I am and not be ashamed of it. That is so true. And that is such a big part of living with any type of mental health challenge and really anything in life is being able to accept who you are and be able to understand it and to love yourself and to be compassionate to yourself and to not be ashamed for, you know, the things that go on in your life and the reasons for it. So I am, I'm honored to talk to you about this and I'm so glad that you are able to share um, your story here on this podcast. And of course, in your book, which we're going to jump into here in a second. So as we talked about, the book is called Mending the Shattered Mirror. And tell us a little bit about what inspired you to really write down this book and put out your story um, for everyone to read. Well, um, as a subtitle of the book, um, A Journey of Recovery from Abuse and Therapy signifies I was abused by a therapist, psychologically abused by a therapist. I had lived most of my life Um, in a very productive, positive way. And in my 40s, 10 years ago, I had a tragedy. And for the first time, I sought out therapy. And I found the most wonderful, compassionate, loving therapist imaginable. It wasn't until I had been with her for four years that I began to understand that the love and concern that she was giving me was too much. And my life was being taken over. And, of course, my book goes into this. Um, At that point, something happened that caused me to question what was going on in in therapy. And when I questioned, this very wonderful, loving therapist turned absolutely horribly cruel. And I endured a year of the most awful, aggressive abuse imaginable to the point of her hitting me. When I finally was able to realize that I had to leave in order to survive, of course, I didn't think I could survive leaving. I reached out to an online support group for victims of abuse by mental health practitioners. The online support group is called TELL, T-E-L-L, Therapy Exploitation Link Line. And I became connected with one of the volunteer responders, a woman named, well, in the book, she's Lori Steiner. I changed her name. She is a retired psychiatrist who was herself sexually abused in therapy for 10 years when she was younger. Um, We started corresponding and corresponded emailed back and forth daily for for a number of years. And through her wisdom and grace, through her support, I slowly, slowly began to heal. Our conversations were remarkable, and I saved them all. And after quite a few years, um, I've been corresponding with her now for nine years, so about four years ago, I decided that I would take those emails between the two of us and turn them into a book. And I realized that within those emails, my broken voice from the time when I just was just beginning to be able to leave the abusive therapy was a voice I could never have reproduced. I would never have been able to recapture how broken and shattered I was. So within those emails, there was something very precious and very unique. 
So I took those emails and turned them into a book to share my story with the world. And I believe it is a very important story. It is something that is not talked about much. Sexual abuse and therapy is talked about often, but not psychological abuse. So that's what was my impetus for writing the book, was just a desire to turn something that had been life-shattering and destructive into something that maybe could help others um, and would be a positive voice in the world. That is incredible. You know, you are so right um, that this is not something that uh, is talked about very often. And, you know, for so many people who are survivors of childhood sexual abuse or other types of abuse, you know, those who are living with other mental health challenges, one of the big things that's always preached, for lack of a better term, is, you know, to seek the help of a professional therapist or counselor, what have you. And, you know, so you can work through your trauma and understand what happened and why you feel the way you do and all the things that, um, you know, you work with in what is supposed to be a safe setting. And I, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, this is the first time that I've talked to somebody who've experienced this. And there's so many questions in my head and, you know, not the least of which is how incredibly scary, I guess, and, you know, invalidating it must be to be able to, to make yourself vulnerable, to reach out to somebody for help, and then to have it backfire you in a way, you know, that you were manipulated in, in such a way to where it turned into such a tragedy. It, it's it's got to be, um, you know, something that I think everybody really needs to hear and be aware of whenever you start to work with a professional for any type of mental health challenges. Yes, I absolutely agree, Matt. I absolutely agree. I want to interject here, however, that I ab- I believe that the vast majority of therapists are good, ethical, caring people. But just like any profession, there are going to be therapists that have their own issues. And if that intrudes into your therapy, you need to run. I had never been in therapy before, so I didn't understand what a therapeutic relationship was supposed to be. In the first four years of my relationship with this woman, she really took over my life. She told me constantly how much she loved me. She gave me gifts. She took me to lunch every week. It just went on and on and on. She became a mother figure. Well, she became much more than a mother figure. She actually had some of my alters, some of the other personalities, call her mommy. And if you consider the fact that my brokenness was caused by childhood trauma, one of the main traumas being that I lost my mother at a very early age. I didn't lose her to death or divorce or anything else. She was in the home but I was not allowed to have contact with her. She was considered too weak, too, I'm not actually sure even as an adult what the real problem was, but I was not allowed contact. So when this woman came into my life and inserted herself as a mother figure and took over more and more and more of my identity, my personhood, to the point when I left her, I felt I had no voice. I had no reality other than hers. And within that situation for her then to turn on me and become so incredibly cruel, I couldn't leave her. There was a trauma bond. I understand that now. But I couldn't leave her because I felt my salvation lay in somehow getting her love back. And for a year, I endured unbelievable cruelty because I didn't think I could survive. And that, to me, is the epitome of psychological abuse. Um, I was taken over. My identity was taken over. I wasn't a person anymore. As you're talking, um, one of the first things I was thinking was, yes, I wanted to reaffirm and validate what you said, that the vast majority of therapists and counselors out there are amazingly wonderful people who are really out to make a difference and to help others, and that we don't want to essentially scare anybody away from reaching out for help, but just encourage uh, each person that's listening and empower them 
to always be aware of the boundaries that there exists between yourself and a professional and always just be aware on your own behalf of what's going on. Because, you know, you mentioned how you felt like you had a trauma bond with your therapist and, you know, you felt like you couldn't leave and you couldn't survive if you left. And I remember when I was working with a therapist for a while, um, when it came time for us to, you know, stop working together, I felt very, you know, when I left, I felt very alone and kind of like, okay, now what do I do? What's going to happen? How do I handle this? You know, this person has known every little secret that I've ever been able to share. And now I'm, I'm by myself. So I felt a bond in that I didn't think I could go on because I didn't think any, anybody else would ever understand or, and I didn't know what to do. So I kind of get a sense of where you're coming from, um, you know, obviously not on the same level as you, but to really understand that there is a bond that comes with working with a professional because of the intimate thoughts that are shared. But, you know, in your case, it just went, you know, so horribly wrong. And, you know, I just always just validate everybody who's listening right now to just be aware and understand that therapists are amazing people and, and they're so helpful and, and they're so needed. But just, you know, you're right. Throughout the course of life and other events, sometimes things just don't go as we plan. So I'm so glad that we're talking about this today. Well, and one of the things that I realize is that there were red flags all along, little things that happened and I didn't question. And what I would encourage people is that if something happens within therapy that doesn't feel right to you, to question it. And if you are with a therapist that won't allow you to question, that's not the right therapist. A therapist should be open to criticism. They should be open to any question that you have. They should be open to any emotion that you have. And the, the most important thing, I think, is that the therapist does not bring into therapy their personal life. Once that starts happening, you are becoming more friends than therapist and patient. If you ever are in a position of feeling within therapy, feeling that you have to take care of the therapist in any way, shape, or form, there is developing an unhealthy relationship. And with, with this therapist, I believe for whatever reason, I triggered her. And it was her responsibility to deal with that. And she didn't. She became in some ways obsessed with me. She told me that she would go home on the weekend and think about me all weekend. That was petty for me. I mean, I felt so loved. I felt so, I felt so important. She one day said to me that she wished she could put a sign on her door telling all of her other patients that she was sick and had gone home for the day so that she could just spend the day with me. That's entirely inappropriate. And it, I knew it at the time, but I couldn't allow myself to believe it because she had drawn me into this loving relationship and I was so dependent on her. The first time she asked me to go to lunch with her, I knew it was wrong, but I couldn't say no. And I have come to understand that I was being groomed and I really couldn't say no. You mentioned uh, the red flags. And I think in any type of relationship, it's always important to be aware of red flags and to really kind of trust your gut instinct, you know, as we like to say, to really be alert and to be able to question your therapist and to ask questions. I mean, you're right. If your uh, mental health professional is not open to you asking questions and take constructive criticism and open to you expressing your thoughts and your feelings, then you're right. Then there's something going on. And as, as you mentioned, you should just run. So I really, really hope that everybody who's listening just really takes that into consideration and, you know, really takes, takes heart to the red flags that you mentioned. Um, because, you know, it is possible that professionals can experience the vicarious trauma and be triggered by a client, but it's up to them to be able to assert the boundaries they need and, you know, if there's something that they, they feel like they can't handle, then, you know, obviously then the relationship should probably be checked into more. But 
I just, I'm, I'm learning so much by listening to you because I know when I started working with my therapist that I, that I was with for a while, you know, we, we talked about some things of, you know, always making sure that the boundaries were never crossed and things that, um, you know, a normal, healthy therapeutic relationship would entail. And it just seems like everything that my therapist said, you know, you know, that we covered that, that would never happen. Yours allowed to happen. It's just like, I'm, I'm kind of mind blown to be honest with you. Um, yeah, that's the response of most people. But I'll tell you something interesting. Somebody read my book and was a, a survivor of therapy abuse. She was in a support group. She, I have an email in the beginning of my book. So people contact me after reading the book. And I've heard some amazing stories, actually. But she wrote me and said that she was in a support group. And the leader of the support group was talking to the group about utilizing the support of a therapist. And she said, you know, therapists are good people that are just there to help. And this woman who had read my book raised her hand and she said, you know, you can't always assume that a therapist is good. You have to be vigilant. And she started, she shared a little bit of her own abuse. Within that group, one person after another shared something that had happened in therapy that had made them uncomfortable or, and they had said they were afraid to question it. And that to me is the most important thing is that don't be afraid that your therapist does not know you better than you know yourself. And your therapist will never understand your fear or your insecurities or anything else unless you voice them within therapy. It bears repeating that in any type of, or, you know, in any situation when someone is seeking out the help of a, a mental health professional, that it's always a good thing and a necessary thing to have an interview, so to speak, with your therapist as well and understand that even if there's nothing going on that is questionable or unethical or anything like that, sometimes there just isn't a relationship that clicks with a therapist. So it's important to be able to question and talk to the therapist and see if they're the right fit for you, which of course then opens up the doors of if you do find that right one that works well for you, you already have that open rapport of being able to discuss things and and you know have them address concerns that you have. So so many people out there who have experienced the similar type of situation. And for those that have read your book, I'm sure it's incredibly validating. And if they haven't, of course, we'll give you guys information about how to get it here at the end. But, um, you know, I want to encourage you, if you've ever experienced something like this, you are clearly not alone as Annalie is sharing with us here. It's just, let's kind of move on a little bit. And I want to talk about uh, the book in particular, which of course is available on Amazon. Uh, there's links on your website, which we'll get to all that there near the end. Uh, you and I were talking before, and this book had taken a honorable mention in the Paris Book Festival, right? Correct. Correct. Yes, I was thrilled. And I traveled to Paris by myself. My husband could not go and friend after friend wanted to go, but couldn't. So I went by myself for a week and went to this wonderful dinner and a lovely little restaurant in the heart of Paris to accept the award. And it was just a remarkable experience. And I was so proud of myself to have come from the point of feeling that I didn't even have a reality. I wasn't a real person. That I had turned that into a book that then won this award and I went by myself, which was very validating of my healing process and who I am today. So it was remarkable. Absolutely. And it's such a testament to you and to your resiliency and to your strength to be able to live your life, um, you know, with dissociative identity disorder, and then come to find out what that is, and then to find out that validating experience, and then to go through all the all the trauma that you endured while seeking out the help of a professional, and then be strong enough to put it down in a book, 
that I'm sure is helping every person that reads it. What an incredible honor. I'm happy for you. I'm so grateful that this book is out there and that it was able to receive this this award and that you were able to go to Paris. I mean, what an incredible way for you to just feel totally validated. I'm that's that's one of the things I love about doing this podcast and whenever people come to share stories on my blog is just to understand and to see firsthand the resiliency of trauma survivors, no matter what it is, it's, it's inspiring and just fuels me to always keep doing what I'm doing. Well, that's, that's wonderful, Matt. Um, I would also like to mention that my book is not simply about the abuse, but it is a very triumphant book about the journey of recovery and self-discovery and the wisdom that is offered to me from this very wonderful woman that I am now actually very good friends with. We have become very dear friends. People have told me after reading the book that they wish they had had three by five cards with them so they could write down things that she says. But I have been told my whole life that I should write the story of my life because it is remarkable. But I never knew how to do that. I never knew why I would. And I, I wanted to, but I didn't, it just didn't make sense to me to try to do it. Within writing this book, I realized that my reader needed to know who I was in order not to just discredit my account as possibly me just being a person not with not much going for for myself, maybe not very intelligent, very so I had to present who I was, my accomplishments and my life story. So throughout the book, I revert to narratives that tell my life story and it Included in the book also is the relation, the growing friendship and relationship between myself and this lovely woman. And that becomes a very beautiful part of the story. And I had the feeling so often when I was assembling the book and writing the book and choosing which emails to use, that if I had set out to write a fictional account of what happened, it couldn't be more startling and more beautiful than what actually happened within the course of those four years, which are told in real time through the emails and then my life story through the memories of the narrative. So it is a very triumphant, inspiring, rewarding book. That's really what it's all about. I think the ultimate compliment for someone who writes a book, for a a trauma survivor who shares their story in any way, is for someone to tell them that, you know, they wish that they had this resource when they were going through their experiences, or they wish they had the information available that you're sharing, and that the people that you reference in the book offer up so that so that they could have known what to say or, you know, been validated in their thoughts. And it just sounds like an incredibly amazing resource for everyone to really just take heart and to read your story and to feel validated and encouraged and inspired by you overcoming so much and to also understand that this is a topic that everybody needs to be aware of. Of course, the book um, is available on your website, which is mendingtheshatteredmirror.com. Everybody can go there, check it out. Uh, You can find links on Amazon for it. The reviews are incredible. I was reading through some of them before we started, and each one just talks about uh, you know, how exceptionally well-written and organized and presented and how, you know, there are therapists that have re- left uh, reviews and there are authors and there are people who say, I can't stop thinking about it. Whenever you get people who read your book and leave you such positive feedback, it has to just really reaffirm to you that you've done an amazing thing. It does reaffirm. I have been humbled by the amazing reviews I've received. When I put the book out there, I didn't know how it would, would be received. I didn't know how people would respond. One of the very rewarding things for me is the number of people 
who have said, I was never abused in therapy, but I had a boyfriend that abused me when I was in my 20s, or a friend who had an abusive husband and left him after years. So many people who said, I could relate again and again and again, because abuse is abuse is abuse. And it, abuse only happens in relationships of unequal power. And we all find ourselves in relationships of unequal power. And when I talk about the abuse within therapy, it resonates with people who have had the same experience in, in different relationships. And that's very rewarding for me. I also have gotten a lot of feedback that people were just inspired to know themselves better, which was a lovely thing to hear. Absolutely incredible. Annalie Shepard, thank you so much for joining me. Your story is amazing. I encourage everybody to check out her book. And, you know, as you mentioned, um, you know, just to kind of wrap this up a little bit, all the people that have that have come forward, and even if they didn't experience the same type of abuse that you did in that circumstance, oftentimes they know somebody who experienced a similar type or, or, or they realize that they were abused as a child or a family member or friend was. So this book is not just only for spreading the message of, of your story, but also to, to validate and encourage everyone who's experienced any type of trauma to understand that you're not alone, to understand that it's good to reach out for the help of a mental health professional to help work through your trauma, but to just always be aware that um, you know some things aren't always as they seem and, and to be aware of the red flags and to advocate on your own behalf and understand what boundaries need to be in place. Annalie, this has been incredible. I appreciate you coming on here. Why don't we wrap up? You can tell everybody again where to find your book, where to find you on any type of social media accounts and all that type of good stuff. Thank you, uh, Matt. And I actually want to thank you for this podcast that, that you do, that it is a voice that needs to be in the world today. Um, it's very rewarding to be a part of it. And I thank you again for inviting me. My book is available on Amazon.com. My um, website is MendingTheShatteredMirror.com. On the website, I have a blog. I would love to hear from my readers. And I just cover topics of safety in therapy. I We have a discussion about how to be in therapy and how to take care of yourself and advocate, advocate for yourself. Um, I would be honored to have any of the listeners read my book, and I would love any feedback. And I thank you again for just the opportunity to talk about it and to tell my story. Thank you. Thank you very much, Annalie. It's been my pleasure and honor. And again, everybody be sure and check out MendingTheShatteredMirror.com. Uh, the blog posts, the links to the book, the reviews, everything is amazing. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And I'm so glad that we were able to share your story. Thanks again for listening to Surviving My Podcast, sponsored by SurvivingMyPast.net, a blog about my life with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD, and in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. This podcast or any resources sponsored by SurvivingMyPast.net should not be considered as therapy or professional medical help. If you are in crisis, I encourage you to seek out the services of a mental health or physical health professional. I also encourage you to check out online crisis support from sites like RAIN.org, OneIn6.org, and The Samaritans. If you would like to be a guest on a future podcast, just contact me anytime through email, matt at survivingmypast.net, or use the contact forms on the blog. Thank you again for your support and encouragement, and always know that you rock. Talk to you soon.